And I want to welcome the guests and those that are here with us this morning and uh, pray you were blessed by the worship this morning. I hope that you had a good week and I mentioned that uh, in this, the introduction this morning, just thanking or just talking about the week that we had. I'm going to go through a couple things this week that took place. Um, if you were here last week, we had a magician last week and uh, we uh, kind of closed out our summer in a little bit of a different way. We really did a, a big push on our Sunday evenings this summer, and we did a thing called Summer Around the World, really just talking about outside of our walls, basically. We had different people in, and so last Sunday morning, we we had a magician with us, and so he did some things here, and I uh, hope you guys had a good time. I was very encouraged by many of you that had talked to me about incur- or inviting your friends and your family and those types of things and the different people that, that you had invited. And so thank you for doing that. We had a, a great Sunday last Sunday morning. And um, so thank you for inviting your friends. Thank you for being here. Uh, this week, there was a number of things going on. We, we stuffed backpacks. I want to make mention of this real quick. Um, I had mentioned a goal of handing out and taking roughly 50 backpacks to one of the local schools here. And uh, this week, I mentioned that last week, and the supplies that we had doubled from Sunday to Wednesday. And uh, so that is good on you. You guys have done an awesome job. I've been encouraged at at the, the backpacks that are full of stuff and more backpacks that came in today. And so thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for bringing things in. And uh, it's just another thing that we can do to reach into our community. So thank you for being a part of that and for doing that. And then I'll, I'll mention this. Most of you probably have no idea that any of this took place this week. But um, this week I, I had encouraged and uh, talked to many of the men and on Sunday night and Wednesday night and different things. And I had, I had mentioned to the men walking our property in prayer and uh, truly just praying over our property and this church and the community. And so this week, every night at 7 o'clock, or Wednesday night it was after the service, Sunday evening it was after Sunday night service, but we had men walking around this property every single night this week. And uh, um, for the last two weeks there have been somebody walking this property every single day, praying over the property. And you may, man, I didn't know, or maybe you, some of you are praying at home, and thank you for doing that. We prayed over the people of our church, the leadership, the finances. We prayed over our community. We prayed over a number of different things throughout this week and, and the, the week before. And so um, I just, I, I want to mention that because I, I feel that, that we're kind of at a spot within our church that uh, we're kind of at a breaking point. We're either going to go... And we're going to tackle the world. We're going to stay established and kind of comfortable with our 150 people and uh, being comfortable reaching the little bit that we reach and doing what we do. And uh, I am just burdened to see this parking lot. I'm telling you, I prayed when I walked all the way down to that bottom. I prayed for the car that was going to be parked against that fence. And, And you say, well, that's nuts. That's crazy. Now, I believe with all my heart that God has something for Oasis Baptist Church. And I thank the men. I thank those of you that are at home praying. And I thank you for for doing what you do. And some of you just pray just because you pray for our church. And thank you. We need that. And I just, I say that again, just to encourage you. Um, God is doing some neat things. Um, We had a a planning meeting. Uh, We had a meeting on Monday. We actually had two meetings on Monday. But we are talking about some of the different things of how we can streamline and make Oasis better and different things. It's really kind of behind the scenes things that 
that need to be done. And so that was going on Monday. We had a, some financing business meeting stuff it was on Monday night. And uh, Thursday we had this going on. And uh, just a number of things that took place this week. And then leading into next week with our, our planning meetings that we're going to be doing. And, and so thank you for being a part. And uh, I ask that you would pray for us this week as we do a lot of planning for the upcoming year and the upcoming uh, things that are taking place at Oasis. So again, thank you. Thank you for being here again, guests. I well, hope you feel welcome this morning and thank you for being here. We've been going through a series in the book of Jonah and uh, we started this, I guess it was four weeks ago, but we're in the third week of, of Jonah here and uh, we've been tackling a number of different things, but we're going to go, we're going verse by verse in the book of Jonah. And uh, some of you are getting nervous because we're still in chapter number one. And this is now week three and there's 17 verses and chapter two only has 10 verses. So that's good. And then we've got 11 more in chapter three. And, but we're, we've got just a few more weeks in Jonah, but I pray you've been encouraged in the book of Jonah. We went through verse or chapter number one, the very first week that we did was really the challenge that Jonah faced. If you look in, in Jonah chapter one, and I encourage you to open your Bible and uh, follow along with me this morning. But in Jonah chapter one, right there at the beginning, in verse number one, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying in verse two, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And basically the challenge was right there, right at the very beginning. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. And I've kind of related this in those day and age, in that day and age, kind of Nineveh was a capital city. And so I kind of challenged our people and said, hey, think of it like this. You were challenged to walk up to Washington, D.C., go into the Capitol and say, Hey, Mr. Obama, President, here's what we're doing. You're going to do this, 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 and this, or you're going to go under. One, you're not going to get to President Obama. Not without a big problem. But are you going to have the guts to walk into the Capitol and say, This is what I'm doing. And basically, Jonah was challenged to go to the city of Nineveh, which was the capital city, which was surrounded by walls that were, that were tall, that were thick, that were wide, that were the greatest of the greatest of the greats. You can still go there today and see some of those same ruins. That tells me they were big. And he was told to go and to share the gospel, basically, and say their wickedness has come up before me. And so the challenge initially, we said the challenge of man, the challenge of the group, the multitude. We talked about our church. We talked in week number two about Jonah's reality. Having found out Jonah was discovered, so to speak, in chapter number one there as we, I'm not going to read all this, but in verse four and kind of going, Jonah had ran, Jonah got on the boat and Jonah was running. Jonah goes to the bottom of the boat, Jonah sleeping. The waves start crashing in and the people begin to, on the, bo on the boat, the, the captain and all the people, the mariners that are on there are saying, whoa, they're doing everything that they can. They're starting to throw things overboard. They're starting to do all these things. They're praying to their gods and they're reaching out and they're saying, whoa, God, what are we doing? What are we doing? What's going on? And then they go to the bottom of the boat and they say, dude, wake up. We're about to die. 
and you're sleeping. Jonah was discovered. Jonah was found out. They begin to ask him the questions. Who are you? Where did you come from? And he begins to tell them. And they say, pray to your God. Maybe that'll help. And they go through this whole thing. And we start looking at this. And, and I've been asked a number of times, when are we going to get to Jonah being swallowed by a fish? Today. The thing we've been waiting for, right? Well, Jonah had ran... And Jonah had ran, and Jonah had ran. And Jonah did what many of us do on a regular basis, is when we find out, when we know what we're supposed to do, and we feel that God has called us, tugged on our heart, done this or done that, to try to really just go. And again, I've stated this over. For you, it may be something hey, you need to be a part of a Sunday school class. You need to go work in the nursery. And for me, if that's it, I may be running the other way too. But it may be working with children. It may be working with teenagers. It may be adults. Maybe you can play an instrument. Maybe it's whatever it would be. And God has said, hey, go and do that. And you go, whoa, stop, time out. I don't really want to get that involved. I can't do that. And you may not have jumped out into a boat got on onto Lake Mead and been thrown overboard. I don't know, do big waves come in Lake Mead? I really don't think so, but anyway. But you may not have done that. But in our own little life, in our own little way, we tell God no. We run the opposite way and we do it as fast as we can to say, God, I'm just not ready. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And just like Jonah, we get into a spot where we come today. Today's title is Jonah's Prison. And basically we find that Jonah was tossed overboard. And this is, there's so many neat things that we could get into and we're not going to get into everything, but Jonah was found at the depths of the sea. Jonah was tossed over. He went all the way to the bottom of the ocean and there was a, sh a, a great fish that came and swallowed him up. And I don't know how much you've been into history or you're into any kind of Bible history, but throughout time, Jonah was a big question. It was skeptical. Man, that could never have happened. They just assumed this was a fairy tale type of a story that was in the Bible. Nobody could ever get swallowed by a fish and lived, and nobody could ever. That's not even possible. Well, I would challenge you to go home and get on your little computer that you have, or maybe you have, somebody's going to do it right now because you have all the technology. Get on your phone, get on your iPad, and hunt it down. People being swallowed by a fish. Because it happens. It has happened. That people have been swallowed by a fish. And those fish, because that's not what they eat. It's not part of their diet. You and me are not part of the fish's diet. How many of you watch Shark Week? Come on. They're not out to get us. We're there. They think it's something and they take a bite. What do they do? They spit it out. Same thing with Jonah. Jonah was at the bottom of the ocean Jonah gets swallowed up by a fish. He goes inside. I don't know what it's like inside of a fish, but I don't really want to know. 
But I can imagine the stomach and the acids and the things that you, all of the different stuff of a fish just kind of gurgling around in this huge belly. And next thing you know, Jonah finds himself on the side of the ocean and the beach. I guess if I'm going to be found out, take me to the beach and we'll be okay, right? But Jonah, Jonah's prison for the next three days was in the belly of a whale. And we'll get into the prayer next week, but in the, the belly of a whale just crying out to an almighty God. So let's get into the service or the sermon this morning in verse number or, or the number one, the purpose of discipline. And I don't know how you do notes or what you do typically, but I'm going to challenge you to take some notes this morning. I've got, a, I've got two points and then I've got some sub points in there. But if we go to Jonah chapter number one and verse number 17, if you have your Bible open, we'll read that verse this morning. Jonah 1 and 17 says this, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Father, I come to you this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word and as we study and look through your word, Father, that you would be lifted up. Lord, I ask that you'd be with us. Speak to our hearts. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Purpose of discipline. Why in the world was Jonah in the midst of the belly of the whale? Why in the world was all these things taking place? Again, he said no to God and he took off. I don't know how many of you have kids. I don't know what you do discipline with your kids. I don't know how many times you were disciplined as an adult. But I can think of a number of different times that I was disciplined at home. I can think of some that I remember very vaguely and... It was as if it was yesterday. I can think of some that I, it was just kind of, yeah, I remember that type of a thing, but I, I don't really remember it. But there's a reason, there's a purpose for the discipline of your child. I hope that you have a reason. If you have children today, I hope that you have a plan and a reason as to why you discipline your kid. Just don't say, no, I'm going to give you a spanking just for the sake of giving them a spanking because they didn't do what you want. I hope there's a purpose for why you do it. But I, I think there was a purpose for my parents to discipline me. I don't know. But there's a number of things. There was a purpose and a reason why God chose to discipline and why he does the same thing to us. Inside of this, the first thing is to rescue Jonah. Again, if we continue through, and I'm not going to read all the way through this because I could really just kind of finalize this whole thing right now, but Jonah thought his life was over. The whole plan basically behind Jonah was, hey, this is who I am. And then what did he say? Throw me overboard. You throw me overboard and we'll be done. I don't know about you, but I've been on a cruise. How many of you have been on a cruise? Anybody? Awesome. It's like the greatest thing in all the world. Food at your disposal, entertainment if you want, any rate. But have you ever thought, if I jump, man, what happens? I've looked over the side. If I go, I'm done. Now, Jonah may not have been on a boat as big as one of our cruise liners, 
But Jonah was in the midst of a storm in the middle of an ocean. And Jonah knew when I get tossed over, I'm toast. I'm done. He didn't have a life preserver on. He was done. Jonah, his life was over. But here's what's neat. If you go with me in Romans chapter 11, we're going to read a couple different passages throughout the, the, the sermon this morning. But in Romans chapter number 11, in verse number 29, it says this. It says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Let me say that again. I'm going to put a different word in here. But for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Or it says, maybe in your version of the Bible, if you use something different than the KJV, it says irrevocable. So the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. They are, it doesn't, God didn't give me a gift and a call and then say, oh, um... No, not anymore. God gave Jonah the call to go to reach Nineveh and do what God had called him to do. And when Jonah said no, God sent a fish, swallowed Jonah to rescue him so that he could do what? Go back to Nineveh. Listen, when I said no many years ago and I said, God, you know what? At 18 years old, 17 years old, I'm really not ready to say yes, I'm going to go into ministry. I went and did what I thought I would love, and I was doing it. I enjoyed it. Many of you know I love baseball. I was working at the Indian Stadium all the time, and I was beside the professional ball players, and I was doing, man, this is my dream. And I got finished, and I was miserable. And I'll never forget going home on a Sunday afternoon after I had went to an altar And I went into my mom and dad's room and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. And then on that Tuesday, I think it was a Tuesday, I went into my mom and I said, I know I'm called to go into ministry. I knew I was called years ago when I said no. God had a call and a plan for Aaron Flanagan. God has a call and a plan for you. And it says in Romans 11 that it's irrevocable. It's, he doesn't call you and then say, oh, never mind. We'll just do something else. That should be encouraging to you. Because guess why? It's encouraging to me. Because this week when I failed and I didn't do what I should have done, God's call on my life didn't change. But when I bowed my head and I said, God, forgive me. God, use me. He still does. God sent a fish to rescue Jonah. Another thing that he does with discipline is he returned Jonah to his his called place. He returned Jonah to where he was called to go. He was running and he did it as fast as he could Have you ever found yourself in that situation? Have you ever found yourself where you're like, okay, I made it. Whew, didn't get caught. And then next thing you know, you're like, ah, I thought I had it. I've been there. As a kid, I've been there. Man, I, we lived in a neighborhood and houses were going in. I, I'm a, I must be the biggest idiot in all of the world 
I put my name in someone's concrete. There was no other Aaron in our neighborhood. So I thought it would be cool with all the friends were going around. They just pour fresh concrete at the neighbor's house. They haven't moved in. No one's there. If you go there today, my name is still in whoever that house is concrete. They probably think, oh, some parents, they put their name. No, just the neighbor kid. So when somebody comes to the house and says, uh, Mark and Mickey, your son put your, their name. That was back when neighbors actually looked after each other, I guess. I don't know. I don't think my neighbor would ever go, hey, uh, your kid is... But anyway, my mom was like, Aaron, did you put your name? No, not me. Who was it? I don't know. Man, I thought I had gotten away with it. Apparently not. (laughs) They found the Aaron, you know. But, But that's a silly illustration. But think about your life. How many times... Have you got on a boat, so to speak, to flee for God to kind of get a hold of you again? To get you back to where it was that he wanted you? This is just bizarre to me. Again, Jonah in the bottom of the ocean. The whale, fish, great fish, swallows Jonah up. Three days in the bottom of this, this whale being spit up. On the side of a beach. I don't know how that would look. I've seen movies. You know, you see the movie and somebody just gets tossed up on the ocean. You're just like, you know. I I don't think that's realistic. But Jonah is basically thrown up by a fish on the side of the ocean. Right on the beach. And God's like, hey. (laughs) Remember me? Guess what? You ready to go now? I, I could assume, then we'll get to that later, but in Jonah chapter 3, in verse number 2, it says it again. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. In verse 3, so Jonah arose and went. If you look at verse 3 in chapter 1, it says, but Jonah rose up to flee. I would imagine at some point Jonah in his mind is going, Lord, are you kidding me? At this point, I will do anything. I'm not going into that place again. How many times have we been there? Where we thought we were getting away with it. God rescued us to get us back to where we knew, where he had called us to go, to where he needed us to be. He has a call and a purpose for our lives and he will keep after us. He will keep knocking And he will get that from us. The next thing is to reach our heart. And this is probably the biggest, most important thing that can happen. God isn't opposed to giving us as children a little classroom attention, so to speak. I know there's plenty of times I I used to teach kids and they would always wait for Aaron's lectures. Mr. Flanagan's lecture. Some of my students are in here today. And they could probably tell you about them. But it was something would happen. You kind of get on your soapbox and you got to lecture the kids, right? Well, there's time of discipline and then there's those things. God has no problem taking us to do that discipline time. To lecture us or to get our attention. Jonah's may have been different as he was in the midst of a dark, 
acidic, slimy, decomposed sea life, gurgling type of constant motion situation. Put yourself there if you get seasick. Don't put yourself there. I don't want to have to clean up your mess. But put yourself there. Jonah was in this whale. And God had gotten his attention. I know God had gotten his attention. Because in chapter 2, it tells you all about the attention that God got. Jonah prayed unto the Lord as God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Man, God had got to a place where God grabbed and got a hold of Jonah's heart. And he grabbed him. And he kind of had Jonah right where he wanted him. It may have been a horrible spot. Maybe your spot has been horrible. Maybe through you, for you, maybe it was poor financial decisions and now you're reaping the financial decisions that you made and, and you're in the midst of that spot. Maybe you had made sin decisions and God has had you and, and now you, it took you to go to the bottom for him to get a hold of your heart. Maybe it wasn't anything. I, look at Job. Job was just a faithful man. And God grabbed a hold of Job and allowed Satan to do what Satan did. But regardless of what it is, God wants to grab our heart. We often are called to things, then we try to avoid them. God will get us where he needs us. It's as if Jonah was on the operating table. Let me share this, and this may be a silly illustration to you, but you and I on a daily basis are on the operating table as God being the physician. I don't know how many of you have had surgery or how many of you have never had surgery. I've had one surgery. Don't want to have any more. I'm sure at some point in my life I may, but regardless. You're on the surgery. They've split you wide open. They've got you open. They're repairing some heart. Maybe it's a valve. Maybe it's whatever. And basically right there on that table, you get yourself up and you're like, Oh, by the way, I'm going to go and do whatever it is that I'm going to do. You're not going to get very far, are we? No, because the one thing that you need in your body is your heart. It kind of pumps the blood. It kind of keeps things rolling. I'm not, I, I'm not going anywhere. I may think in my mind now, again, you got to, this doesn't happen in real life. But if I get up off that table, I may get to the room, I may just sit up, I may do something, but the bottom line is I can't get too far without realizing and understanding the heart and the thing that I need is over here. In your Christian life, you're on the operating table every single day, and the reality that we have to come to is the heart, the love, the passion of God, I can't get very far without it. Because when I do, I may be all the way over here. And you may be, and you are as far away as you need to be. You are where Jonah is, and you're out on that boat, and you're in the middle, and you're fast asleep at the bottom. God got a hold of Jonah, did he not? He sure did. 
And when God got a hold of Jonah, he ripped him and he took him right back to where he wanted him. Why? Because he needed to get a hold of Jonah's heart. How many times in our lives have we done things because it was the right thing to do? Many of us sit in a chair on a Sunday morning because why? I checked my box. I went to church. I'm a good person. I did the right thing. I go home and nothing has ever changed in my life one second. Why? God needs my heart. God needs my heart. Part of discipline is that God would grab a hold of my heart and change my heart. I discipline my kids not because I love to discipline my kids. I discipline my kids because I want the heart. I want them to do right. I want them to be obedient. I want them to do the right thing as they grow up. Not for dad, but for God. I want my kids to follow Christ. So I discipline them. And I try every time to say, listen, if you disobey dad, who are you really disobeying? We disobey God. I want my kid's heart to be soft and tender to the word of God and to God. The same as my life and my heart needs to be to my father. The purpose of discipline is that God would rescue us. He would return us. He would reach our heart. And then he's going to send us, he's going to recommission us, so to speak, to go back to what he's called us to do. God told Jonah to go. Jonah said no. God said yes. Jonah said no. God sends a whale. Jonah then says what? Yes. Sometimes it takes that back and forth and back and forth. God doesn't just save us from a circumstance. He saves us with the intent to use us for his glory. He takes our running and commissions it for his glory. And uh, I was in Martin's Sunday school class for a short period this morning. And they were going through testimony and different things that they've been going through. God takes each of our lives and uses the testimonies for his honor and his glory. Some of your testimonies are like mine. I was born, and the following Sunday I was in church. And that's all I've ever known all my life. Now I've done things. I was a stupid teenager, just like most of us have, you know, you do things. And I think every time I speak about my childhood, my parents find out more and more about me. But I did things. But I was a pretty good kid. My life isn't full of this testimony that's just crazy where somebody goes, man, that... Some of you have a testimony. It was drugs. It was alcohol. It was prison. It was this. It was whatever it would be. Some of you have a testimony of of abuse. Some of you have a testimony of a split home. Some of you have a testimony that's different. But God gives you the things for His honor and for His glory. I've, I've told teenagers over and over and over and over again through the years, I don't understand why you've been put in this spot, but here's what I know. One day you're going to be able to talk to this person that I'll never be able to reach because your testimony is who that person is. Man, I'm telling you, I am not the best person to come and speak to to help you with your drug problem. Because I'm going to go, what? I don't understand it. 
I've never been there. I've never lived it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen. I'm going to offer every bit of counsel. I'm going to offer my ear. I'm going to be everything that I can be to you. But I'm going to say, listen, I believe I know the right person that you can talk to. And I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call somebody and I'm going to say, hey. And I'm going to attempt to pass them to somebody that I respect that can help them more than I can help them. Why? Their testimony and that test, they, they go together. God has a plan. He's going to recommission. He's recommissioned Jonah to go out for his sake and for his glory. So the purpose of discipline, last point is this, the promise of discipline. The promise of discipline. One of the first things that God does is prove his love. God loves you so much. This blows my mind. God loves us so much. And we can go through the scripture and we can read it. And some of you would go, oh, I've heard this. I've been in church. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us. He didn't just tell us he loved us. He proved it to us. Man, I can tell my kids I love them. I can tell my wife I love her. If I never prove to them that I love them. In the end, it's all for naught. I lose. If I tell you how much I love you, but every time you call, I never answer the phone, you are going to go, that guy could care less. If I tell you how much I love you, but I never follow up to say, hey, how are you doing? God proved it. You might go, really? Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Yep. Yep. And Jonah was alive. God proved his love to Jonah. He saved him. In the midst of him going to the bottom of the ocean, God sent a whale to swallow him up. I don't know how deep at the bottom of the ocean that he was, but that's, that's deep, dark, and I don't want to be there. It gets cold. And at some point, I don't, I don't know how this affected his physical body. But the ears popping and everything, I, I don't understand all that. But God sent a whale. He saved his life. He could have let him drown and die. He had patience with Jonah. Has God had patience with you? Ouch. Yeah. He's had it with me. This week. Why? Because I'm... I want to do what I want to do. And you want to do what you want to do sometimes. The true picture of love as we drift from our calling in life, our decisions of life is Christ as He patiently uses us. Think about this. As we go and do our own thing, I know we don't have a lot of these around here, but maybe when you were a kid, you played in a pond or a creek or uh, you went out and you had a, a lake or something. Maybe you have a swimming pool in your backyard because we don't have ponds and lakes. Something goes in the middle, and if you don't have something long enough to get to it, what we can do is toss something that's bigger that creates a ripple of the wave, and it does what? It sends it in a direction. Oftentimes, we are out into the middle. And God will drop a little rock over here that just kind of ripples to bring us back to where he wants us to be brought back to. 
How many times in my life I can go back over and over and over and over and over again where it wasn't a smack in the face where I was dropped on the ground and saying, okay, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. But he sent one of you or he sent a family member or he sent a friend or he sent somebody to say, hey, Aaron, I just wanted you to know that I'm praying for you and you were on my mind this week. Hey, Aaron, I, I, I just want you to know that God's doing something. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. And it was just those little ripples that were enough to get me and kind of focus my mind from this to, oh, yeah, to this. And many, many times in our lives, just like Jonah, God sent a whale. Now, that wasn't a ripple. That was much more than a ripple. But God sent something. God does something that, that sends us and directs our path right back where he needs it to be. In Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to go with me, we'll read just one verse there. But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 6, Hebrews 12 verse 6, as we're talking about discipline, we, we see, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Man, you know why I know God loves me? Because he disciplines me. You know how I love my, know that my parents love me, especially as an adult? As I can look back and I can say there was rules. There was things that I wasn't allowed to do. And there was things that weren't going to happen in our home. I was talking to somebody and some we laugh about it now probably. but And I wasn't allowed to watch MTV. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. I wasn't allowed to do these things. And we were talking, I forget who it was, but we were up in the office and I was sharing. And they were asking me questions. I'm like, I've never seen that show. What? Never seen it. I saw the first episode of The Simpsons that I saw. I was 20 years old in college. Simpsons had been out for more than a decade. Now that wasn't because I was a perfect kid. It was probably more because I just don't like to watch much TV and so I didn't really care. But I, there were rules in my home. Why? Well, when I was 12, I didn't think that it was because of love. When I'm 33, I look at my parents and I say, thank you for loving me, that you gave me discipline, that you gave me a structured environment to live in. Well, God loves us. It says there in Hebrews 12, if he loves you, he will chasten you. He will do that for us. Why? Because he loves us. Second point is a realistic picture. I talked briefly about this the last time, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But often we never see the reality until we are in trouble. We make a decision, and the reality of that decision doesn't affect us until down the road. Jonah's reality was, I got on a boat. He was out in the middle of the ocean going, ha-ha, I got away. I got it. I did it. And then the storm comes, and the waves are crashing, and he's sleeping. And I made this mention last week, how many times you and I have made a decision and the storm around us doesn't so much affect us as much as it affects everybody else around us. And we never realize the effect of the decisions that we make. And so Jonah's reality was now all of a sudden he was tossed overboard and he saw the real picture of what was going on. Man, Jonah was ready to die. And what did he do right when he was tossed over? The first thing that he does in verse 2 Jonah prayed unto the Lord. Don't we do that? All of a sudden, reality smacks us right in the face and we're onto our knees. God, forgive me. God. Sometimes 
It takes those things to get us to see the reality. Jonah had a reason. How many of you can say, Pastor Aaron, I, I made this decision and there's a, re- there's a good reason behind why I did it. It's, I, I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's kind of, eh, but there's really a good reason of why I did it. Many times the decisions that we make, we could go, well, it's probably not the best thing to do. But I can justify in my mind why I'm doing it. Jonah had every reason to justify in his mind why he was on a boat in the middle of the ocean. He was called to go to Nineveh, a place that was known to kill and to destroy and to harm Israelites, which Jonah was. Jonah was on the boat to Nineveh to run away, or I'm starting to get them all confused. Jonah was on a boat to run away from not going to Nineveh because he knew what he was facing. They don't like me. I'm going to be killed. That's not good. Hmm. Justification means I'm not going because I want to live. We do it all the time. He had reason to not go. But when he made that decision, reality struck. Listen. We do it all the time in our churches. We justify why it's acceptable to allow things from the outside to come inside. Well, that's just what the world is. We justify our reason as why it's okay to watch a certain TV show or why it's okay to listen to this or it's okay to do that or to wear this or to act the ways that we act because that's what the world does. That's the, that's the fad. That's the, the popular thing. I have to know what's going on at work so I can be in the conversation. We justify so many things and in our churches we justify things as to why we do what we do that has nothing to do with God's word at all. It would have been very easy for my parents to say, well, Aaron, it's the Simpsons. It's a cartoon. It's funny. It may have been funny. It may be the longest running animated television show in the world, but I'm here to say I'm glad I never became Bart Simpson, the cool dude with spiky hair who was the most disrespectful kid in all of television. I'm glad I wasn't exposed to that and take that home to be that person to my parents. And some of you, don't get mad. I'm sorry if I just offended you because you love Bart Simpson and The Simpsons. But here's what I'm saying. I'm glad something so silly as The Simpsons wasn't involved in my life because I don't know what that would have done. But my parents took a stand and they took a stand on MTV. Well, it's just MTV. It's music. It's all these things. No, guess what? The target audience of MTV is 8 to 12 year old kids because if they get 8 to 12 year old kids they have them for the rest of their lives and it destroys people I'm glad my mom and dad said no we're not doing it in our home why they loved me they didn't want the realistic the realistic picture is what when I do all of those things at one point I'm going to have to go mom dad why did you allow me to do this Reality sets in at some point. And for a lot of people, guess what? You're looking at a generation. You're looking at my generation with the cockeyed hat, with all of those things that MTV, Simpsons, and all that junk is the reality of what that is. And this world destroys us while we go, well, it's okay. It's just cute. It's fun. It's all of those things. No, it's not. It's not. 
And I'm not saying if you wear a cockeyed hat and all those things that that's bad. I'm not saying that. But the disrespect of my generation, man, it's a shame. It's a shame. Realistic picture. He wanted to produce maturity. A real case could be made for the thought of without discipline, we have no growth or maturity. I'm going to go through this one quick. I learned so much more from discipline and failure than I ever did from succeeding. I became the best baseball player I ever became after somebody said I was too small and I couldn't do it. Simple, dumb illustration. When somebody said, ah, no, you're not good enough. I learned. When somebody said, hey, you can't do this. When I failed at something, when I tried it, I had to figure out why I failed. And I became a better person. I matured. Same thing with Jonah. Jonah matured in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 10. Just read something real quick here, but or Hebrews 12 and verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. We are chastened, Jonah was chastened for the holiness of Christ. That I could become more holy. That I could be more like Christ. When I'm never chastened, when I'm never disciplined, oftentimes I don't mature to become more like Christ. And my last thing here is to provide a fresh start. The fresh start, Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Jonah received a second chance. Jonah received that chance that we often get. And here's what's neat. Jonah took it, went to Nineveh, and saw the greatest revival probably the world has ever seen. Why? Because of everything that he saw going back. There was a purpose for discipline. There was a reasoning behind it. There was a reality that set in. God got a hold of Jonah's heart. And as God did all those things and he took all of that stuff and Jonah went and he did what God called him to do. And we'll get to the end and I understand there's an end. But Jonah did what he was called to do. Can I ask you how many times that you have given up? How many times I've given up? How many times I've looked and I've gone, man, that... How many times God has had to give me the second chance and the eight millionth chance and so on and so forth? With the opportunity to get back up and say, no, I'm going to start over and I'm going to do it. My verse as a kid, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And then you get knocked down and you, man, I can't do that again. God, how many times do I have to fail you? And, and Satan, what does he do? He just throws it right back at you. Ah, see, there you go. Right at it again. You can't do that. God says, no, come on. Come on, get up. 
And he'll send that whale and he'll swallow you up and he'll spit you right back out where you need to be. Come on. I can do all things through Christ. Oh man, there I was again. I messed up again. God sends that whale and he spits us right back out where he needs you. I can do all things through Christ. Church, I always knew of Jonah and I always thought of Jonah as a fun story and he was swallowed by a fish. I am Jonah. You are Jonah. Our lives are Jonah. We just didn't get a fish and it's not in a cool book. Our lives are Jonah. Because we've all done all of those things. We've said, God, no. God, I can't do that. God gave us a second chance. As we were thrown overboard, whatever it would be. And he spit us right back out where we needed to be. And that's my life. Go through your testimony. Go home and write your testimony. And then compare it to Jonah and go, Hmm. Failed, God picked me up. Hmm. Wow. That's us. We're all there. We all can look at the the discipline and we can all look at all these different things and we can all look at our own personal prisons and we can all do these things. But God says, no, get up, do it again. Go. Oasis Baptist Church, Las Vegas is right here. Get up, go. You can do it. Go. Go. You've been knocked down. Get up, go. Don't let Satan tell you you can't do that. Go. Let's go. Every head bowed, every eye closed.